Let's turn together to Hebrews chapter 11. So that song uh, was not randomly selected. It was very intentional. Because uh, tonight we're going to look at uh, creation and how that ties in with our faith and exactly kind of what that means for us. Um, so we started last week uh, what is going to be a series where we end up going all the way through the 11th chapter of Hebrews uh, a little bit at a time. Um, and what that's really going to do is that's going to take us through the book of Genesis, more or less. And so um, what this, the role that this chapter plays in the greater letter and uh, just a lot of nuances are going to come out over the course of the semester. And so this is going to take us all the way right into Advent. And so there are, are all kinds of things that will be brought out at different points uh, along the way. But the third verse in chapter 11, uh, let's look at the third verse first, and then we're going to back up just a little bit. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. All right? So we're going to spend a lot of time kind of going through that very slowly. Let's back up, though, to verse 1 and kind of get a running start at it, uh, just to kind of make sure we're on the same page about some things. Verse 1 gives us uh, a very solid understanding of what faith is and what it means. Um, Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Alright, so assurance and conviction, those are the two big words. Uh, you, uh, in different translations, maybe there are some different concepts that are there. Uh, but they're all, they're all saying the, basically the, the same thing. That, uh, that faith involves hope and it involves uh, the unseen of the future. And basically walking into the future when, in ways that we are essentially blind. Meaning that we don't know what's happening next. Moment by moment, life is unfolding. We don't know what the next moments bring. So we're moving into the future based on what we have experienced in the past uh, and in the ways that God's promises have continued to like, come true. So when it says the assurance of things hoped for, that's what we're hoping. is We're hoping that everything God has told us about himself is true. And we're hoping that what he's said, his plan for all of humanity and everything about the earth and creation and that this entire uh, storyline is being played out, we're hoping that that is true, that he's told us the truth. Um, And we're hoping that the the ways that he's promised to interact with you and I, uh, that he in fact is going to like actually do those things. So the assurance of things hoped for, we're hoping that basically that God is who he said he is, and he's doing what he said he's going to do, and he's going to take care of us in the ways that he said he's going to take care of us. Uh, so that's what we're hoping for. But we're not hoping for that in a way where we're you know, crossing our fingers you know, and just kind of wishing, and, and uh, we're banking on it, but we're kind of not really sure. It's an assurance that he really is who he's told us he is, and he's doing the things he's said he's going to do. There's a confidence that comes with that. Where does the confidence come from? Where it comes from the second part, the conviction of things not seen. Okay? Conviction. Maybe you, in your, maybe you have a translation that says the evidence of things not seen. And both of those, both of those are, are like good ways of looking at the actual like original word that's there. Conviction uh, and, and evidence are kind of the, they're very much related. 
The evidence of things not seen is based on the things that we have seen. Right? The conviction that moves you forward, you're moving forward based on what you know to be true. So last, last week I talked about uh, when, you know, when you get on an airplane, the reason you get on an airplane is because you have seen airplanes take off and land over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe you've, you've experienced that over and over and over and over again. And so you have plenty of evidence that the unseen of the next couple of moments, like things are going to be okay. Because by and large, they are. You have that evidence. You have that conviction that says, no, I can step foot on that plane. I can put faith in, the, in this flight path that's about to happen because of, of all that I've experienced. And so you, you press all that together. The assurance of things hoped for, we're, we're not crazy to be assured of those things because we have seen it over and over and over and over again. So the unseen of the future uh, is really not that scary because we've seen God prove that he really is good. And that he really is in control of things. And even going back to what I said about Shivnat, you know, the kid at Hope of Life, that the guy's like, no, no, I really am the boss of all this. I really am sovereign over the train station. I really did bring the and Matilda there, let them meet Shivnat, because I have a trajectory of his life that is filled with goodness and mercy and hope and love, and I have something for him. It's not random chance. It's all on purpose. The assurance of things hoped for is not crazy and it's not blind faith. It's absolutely fully lit up, fully informed faith where we go right into whatever God has for us next. He's like, you can follow me forward because you've seen me prove over and over and over again who I am. And so last week really came down to the fact that faith is not blind. It's very, very informed. And so in verse 2, so you kind of have those ideas. In verse 2, it says, uh, it says this. It says, uh, for by it, okay, which is faith, for by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, the people of old received their commendation. Now, chapter 11 is filled with uh, all these examples of people of old, okay? people who are, lived a long time ago, people that, that are, are the, they're the stories, they're the names, they're the, the, uh, the recollection of like, really the giants of, the, of faith that uh, have gone before them. So these are the people they're talking about. They're talk, talking about Abraham, they're talking about Moses, and they're talking about Noah, and they're talking about Enoch. And they're talking about these folks all throughout this chapter because those were the names. They were like, well, see, Moses had faith and he did this, and Abraham had faith and he did this, and Sarah had faith and she did this. That was a regular part of life there. So it's, verse 2 is saying, the people of old received a commendation from God based on their faith. That they were approved, that God looked at them and was like, yes, yes, yes. That that's where it comes from. And so verse 3 is kind of this, it plays this really cool role in, uh, like in, the, in the chapter. Because if you think about it, like, like I know that you don't have a list. Or, I mean, you can read chapter 11. but um, So I have this thing on my phone where the... Uh, like the kind of broke the semester down into Sundays and stuff, and, and I was looking earlier at just the like a listing of who all is ahead of us. So we have creation. Then we next week we talk about Abel, and then Enoch, and then Noah, and then Abraham, and then Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, and then Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, and then Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and then Jacob, and then Joseph, and then Moses. So Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Like he's the one, right? So it means all those other people, 
they didn't have like this the Old Testament to turn to. Because it hadn't been written yet, right? That was down the line. Like, so all those names I listed are in the family heritage of people that came before Moses who wrote the stuff down. So here's a whole chapter talking about God commended them for their faith, for their faith, for their faith, for their faith. But they didn't, they didn't have you know, Philippians 4.13 on a note card on their mirror. You know? They didn't have a tattoo in Hebrew with the Bible verse on it. You know? they, didn't, they didn't have those things. They didn't have scripture memory each week. They didn't have that yet. They, they had two, two things, really. One, they had this oral tradition that was passed down. From person to person to person to person. And then they had creation. That's what their faith was based on, is that they walked outside, and they saw like the sun going up, and they were like, oh yeah, my grandpa told me, told me about how that happened. There's someone that created all this, and he made this, and he's good, and he takes care of us, and he loves us. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk by faith in him. And so creation plays a very, very special role in the, in the origins of our faith. And maybe in a way that maybe it doesn't play that role for you and I very, as often as it should and as it's intended. That in a lot of ways, like it's the, it's, it's the key. Maybe not the key. Maybe that's the wrong way to say it. It plays a significant role in us understanding who God is. The fact that He created the heavens and the earth. That all this didn't just happen, and it's not an accident, and it's not by chance. That there is a creator, a creator, and we are the created. We are created to know the creator. As all those things tie together, it's very, very important. And so we're going to look at verse 3. And we're like, okay, so what, what is the role that, what's creation supposed to tell us? You know? why, why is verse 3 so important? What about creation played into the commendation of those people of old as they walked forward? How did it play a role in their thought process that could impact our thought process today? All right, so let's look at verse 3. One more time. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Alright? So let's, we're just going to kind of break the verse down a little bit. Look at the first, the first part when it says, uh, by faith we, we understand. Okay? By, like, this is where our, our understanding comes from faith. Right? Our understanding of how all this happened. Alright? Not just, not just like you and I, but like, I mean, like how did the Grand Canyon happen? You know? Like, how did the, the stars and the moon and the sun and how all that stuff works, like how did that happen? And how did, how did what's going on in Syria right now, how, why has that happened? You know, how, did, how come we're in, in connected to a children's home that works with kids who grow up in extreme poverty and homelessness? Like, how does that happen? You know, how do... How does our, our world like fall apart? But then, how does like how does a kid like Shivnad end up in seminary when he should probably be dead? How does that happen? How do people make it through the most difficult things that you can imagine and describe? How do people's families get restored? And how do marriages get healed? And how do you deal with hurt from your past and you aren't sure how to process it? And 
And how do you learn to walk in freedom from different things? I mean, all of this stuff, our whole understanding of how all this stuff has happened really comes down to the fact that, uh, like it, well, it begins with the fact that we believe that we are, like, aren't here by mistake. By faith, we understand the universe was created. That at some point, there was no universe. At some point, there was no planet Earth, and there wasn't the moon and the stars. And all that, not, at some point, none of those things were here. And then at a different point, they were. And the thing about being created, which uh, is the universe was created by God, is that this gives significance and purpose to everything that was created. Like all the, all the things that we want to know and all the questions about humanity, they're informed by the fact that all this stuff was put here on purpose. And the thing is, like you don't, when things are created, it's not created by, by accident. You don't accidentally like, create stuff. Like when you truly create, there's, an, there's intention behind it. So like when, you know, like let's say that you, like, you go to the grocery store and you buy all these ingredients and you come home and you like, make this incredible meal. So I guess in a sense, in a sense you like created the meal, right? Um, not the same kind of creation we're talking about here, but you, know, you took a bunch of ingredients that, that are not, ind- individually they are all separate, and you mix them together in just the right ways and just the right times and just the right order and all that kind of stuff, and then here comes this meal. Like you created that meal on purpose. So what's the purpose? Well, probably to eat it, I hope. All right? That's why you made it, because you're hungry. Or other people are hungry. You made it because we, we were built in such a way where we need food to keep our bodies functioning. And so there's a purpose why you made it, you know. And some people, some people will say, like, oh, well, I mean, sometimes, like, I just, I don't know, I'm really bored. So I just want to, like, bake cupcakes, you know. There's no purpose in that. I was just bored. It's like, no, that's the purpose right there. Like, what, what, what led you to, like, make cupcakes? Your boredom. Okay. That's the point of origin for your cupcakes then, you know. You're bored. You're stressed. You're whatever, you know. You don't accidentally make a meal. You're like, whoa, what, what just happened? <laughs> wow. That's not the way things work, you know. You don't build a house, like, accidentally. That when, when, things, when things are constructed and built and put together, there's purpose behind it. Even if the purpose is silly, you know, or not even, like, it's not even what you're meaning to do. Like, there, there, there are, there's something behind it all the time. And it's the same, the same goes for the created order, you know, that all the things that God made, he made with great purpose. And so that gives a lot of significance to things, even the things that seem insignificant, you know. Like certainly, we, we have covered a lot here at the ring, the significance for people being made in the image of God, uh, being made uh, like because he is, is one who loves, that's why he, he didn't need somebody to love. He didn't need people to hang out with. You know, God's not needy. Like, he, he wanted to love us, so he made us. Uh, but there's even significance and purpose with stuff that doesn't seem to have a lot of significance and purpose, you know? Like ants. Like, I don't know. I don't understand what the, what's the point of an ant, you know? Or like a wasp, you know? Like, how annoying are those things? But God made them at some point. And he didn't accidentally make them. He made it on purpose. And there are parts of, of the earth that sometimes you're just like, I don't even know why that exists, you know. 
why does West Texas exist? You know? <laughs> What's the point of West Texas? Uh, somewhere in there, there's a point in West Texas. I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm sure a Texan will tell me. Um, but it, there's like, even though like, maybe you and I don't understand why some things are significant, like God has a lot of purpose in creating them. And so, understanding that by faith, so, okay, sorry, by faith we understand that the universe was created. It wasn't an accident, it wasn't an afterthought, it wasn't a, like, whatever. And our world is filled with people who really, that's really their belief. They're like, man, it just kind of worked out well for us, you know. Like, no, it didn't just work out well for us. But you take, like, take someone who doesn't believe that we are created, by a creator. And their whole worldview, their whole understanding of, of what's going on, the role that, that they play, the reasoning for bad things happening or good things happening, all that kind of stuff. It, it's just, they're just in a completely different thought pattern. And so for us as Christians, it's, I, I, I don't think we can emphasize enough how important it is that we hold to that belief, what the Bible tells us, that our God made all this stuff. It ties everything together. And we don't do it just because it ties everything together. That's not why we, oh, I want to believe in something that helps you make, makes everything make sense. It's like, no, we believe it because it's true. And we believe it by faith. And so even though you weren't there when things were created, and I wasn't there when things were created, we believe that at some point they didn't exist, that only God existed. And then he just started rolling. It's not really an argument about, you know, are there seven actual days, and or, you know, this and this and this, and like, did he use evolution at different times, and is it old earth or new earth? And that, that's not at all what I'm here to argue. I'm going back to the, like, the very, very beginnings and saying what this verse is saying is that by faith we understand that everything that we see here was made. And so it was all created and all made, and it gives significance and purpose. And so what's the purpose of creation? You know, we talked about the significance of when you make food and, and why, all that kind of stuff. So there's a, a reason for all that. So what's the point of creating things, giving them significance? You don't need to turn to it. We're just going to put two, two passages up on the, on the board real quick. Uh, Romans 1, 19 uh, and 20, this is what they say. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Now, so Paul's he's making a bigger argument here. So that's why contextually some of it doesn't really make sense. But here's this, here's like worked into this argument that he's making, the fact that all these things that have been made all of them are made to reveal something to the world about God, who He is. Verse 20, he says, uh, he names His eternal power and divine nature. Okay, those are his examples there. Um, but he's saying like, okay, so when, when we see the Grand Canyon, when we see West Texas, when we see ants, when we see each other, we're, we're, we should see more than just boring West Texas. We should see more than ants and wasps, and we should see more than just one another. Those things are, divine, are designed to point to the eternal power and divine nature of the Creator. 
And so while I may look at West Texas and say, what's the point? Or look at a pile of ants and say, I really just want to kill all of you. Right? God doesn't look at them as being insignificant or without purpose. He looks at them and he's like, well, you just don't really understand the role that they play, but that's cool. God understands the role that they play, and they were designed to point to something greater, that, w- that those things didn't just accidentally happen. That at some point they didn't exist, and then the creator of the universe said, I think I want ants. And so there were ants. So that's what creation is, is supposed to do. It's supposed to point to something bigger. Uh, Colossians 1 has kind of a similar, uh, similar take in verse 15. So it's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things, here it is, all things were created through him and for him. Through him and for him. So it was made for the glory of Jesus. That all of creation points to him. That's the significance. That's the purpose. So you, may, you might be making dinner because your body needs food. You may be making cupcakes because you're bored. God made the Swiss Alps so that they would show, hey, there's something bigger than the Swiss Alps happening here. There's something greater than the Grand Canyon. There's something uh, that is like, far more creative and far more ingenious and far more powerful and far more important going on here than whatever. All of creation is supposed to point to him, including you know, your life and my life. That's what we're created for as well. So when Jake come, came up earlier and was talking about we're, we're about to do one of the things we were designed to do in, in worship, uh, you know, worship through singing, that's some, something he made us to do. And what a great statement when he said, so this is one of the times when I know I'm being obedient because I'm doing the thing, one of the things he called me to do. That's what we live in. That's what we live for. And so for people who deny that there is a creator and they think everything was an accident, uh, it's really hard to communicate with them about this, about things as a Christian, because they're starting at a different point than, you, than, than a Christian would be starting from. Because we're sitting there saying, like, well, life doesn't make sense a lot of times, but I know that there's a point of origin, and that point of origin is Jesus, and he is only good, and does good, and is always good. And so everything points to him, and it reveals God through things that are seen. You know? So you go back to what we were talking about, how, how we're going into the unseen, but we're basing it on the things that we have seen. And so God's like, okay, um, you, can't, you can't see me because you will literally explode. Like if you could visually see me, you would blow up. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create this world full of all this beauty and all this mystery and all this just creative power. And so all these things that you're seeing are all going to give you glimpses and just glimpse after glimpse after glimpse after glimpse of who I am. Because if we look at God, we'll explode. But if you look at the Grand Canyon, you'll almost explode, but not quite. Right? You know? So you look at, you look at certain sunsets, and like there's something in you that's about to just, just, like your heart's about to leap out of your chest sometimes. You're like, how in the world can the sky be this beautiful? Like, yeah, exactly. Those of you who are parents... Uh, like, or, or if you've ever gone to, like, done, like, gone to see somebody at the hospital who just had a baby, and they're a believer, 
they always like they always just bring up the Lord because there's just this like it's just it's miraculous like you just can't even get over what's going on and it points to the creator all those things designed with a purpose and that's the purpose it's to point to him and to reveal him through what is seen so we're supposed to be able to look at all those things even the things that don't make sense and everything is basically just added to the list of things we have seen i've seen this 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 we have just volumes and volumes of things that we have seen that point to the greater one who is sovereign over our lives and so in hebrews 11 we know like when we get we talk about uh, abel next week and Enoch after that. And we get to Noah and, and Abraham. And some of these people are like, how in, the world, how in the world did they follow God forward? Like, I don't understand how they had so much faith. Well, I was thinking about it this week. Maybe they were just better at walking outside and looking around and being like, yep. Yep. Maybe they didn't need a band to lead them. Maybe they didn't need lights and smoke and mirrors and conferences. Maybe they didn't need podcasts. Maybe they didn't need all those things. Maybe they were just a lot better at being able to open their eyes and look around them and say, yeah, okay, let's do this. So here you and I are. Here we are in 2013. We have creation still, just like they did, and we have the Bible. So here we have this. So we have this, and we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have all this creation around us, and every single bit of it is used to like, stack up all this, un- all this evidence of things that, have, that we have seen and experienced and said, hey, how about you trust me in, with the, the next second of your life, and the next second, and the next second, and the next second, and the next second. That's the role that creation is supposed to play. Look back at, look back at verse 3. It doesn't only tell us that he created it, but it says, he tells us how he created it. Okay? By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It was created by the word of God. That he, just, he just says it and it happens. Who does that? Who just, just says, let there be light and then there's light? He just speaks it into existence. Don't, don't turn to it again. Let me, let me just read. We're going to put it on the screen in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Let me just read the part about the sun. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give, it, to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So days one, two, and three... The sun wasn't just like not there yet. So you, you, you walk outside and you look at the sun and you think, wow. You know, like I, have, I don't know if you've ever read much on the sun and how big it is and how powerful it is and all this kind of stuff. There's just so much brilliance to the universe. And it just, it just basically said that God was like, hey, how about a sun? And there was a sun. He just says it and it happens. He speaks it into existence. You want to talk about power? Like we, 
We, don't, we can't fathom power like that. We can't even fathom like the sun not existing. It's like, yeah, what well, was before that? What was before that? What was before that? At one point, it was just God. Verse 1. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Which means that they weren't there yet. And he just starts speaking and describing and says he set the sun like he arranged it. So his words are powerful. And then the next part of the verse um, that I think, uh, in, back in verse 3 in chapter 11, uh, not only did he make it just by speaking, but he made it out of, like, basically, like nothing was there in the first place. So, like, you, you go home, you make dinner, you take a bunch of pre existing ingredients, and you mix them together, and you have this beautiful meal, right? So you're creating, but you're kind of not creating in the way that he created. You don't speak it into existence, and you don't make it out of just nothing. You make it out of, like, things that are already there. Well, in verse 3, um, it's created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was, made, was not made out of things that are visible. So he didn't take a bunch of ingredients or a bunch of matter and wor- form it together and all this kind of stuff and then make something else. You know, that's what scientists do. That w- that's what chemists do. That's what uh, construction guys do. That's what chefs do. That's what we all do at different points. He just made it out of nothing. So you want to talk about authority? That's greater authority than, than I think we can even wrap our minds around. That he can not only say, I want there to be a sun, he can make a sun out of just nothing at all, like it just appears. So the power of his words and the authority over like existing matter in creation, and you read, if you were to read all of Genesis 1 and the first part of chapter 2, and we see how he made things and the order by which it happened, and he just said, let this happen, let this happen, let this happen, let this happen. Every time, like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. On the seventh day, he just, set, he just enjoyed it. All of that has happened so that we could walk outside or that we could look across the room. We could look all around us because all of the things are in this building. We don't have to go out into nature. We can look around this building. That was made and that was made and that was made and that was made and that was made. All of it to build this ridiculously long list of reasons why we can trust him. So, if Jesus can speak the Son into existence, do you think, do you think that Jesus can work wonders in your marriage? Absolutely. Like, connect those dots, because that's what the Bible does. That's what the people of old would do. That's what the people who live by faith do, is they connect dots. It's like, man, if he can speak the moon into existence, I, I bet he can uh, free me from this addiction. Man, if, if he can just, just create water out of nothing just by speaking it, I bet he can mend this relationship. I bet he can heal this, this baggage that I have. I bet he can give direction for my life. I bet he can work miracles in my relationships. I bet he can do this. 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 And I think the whole time, Jesus is going, yep, that's why I created stuff. That's why I keep pointing to it. That's why I gave you the Bible. That's what I want you to see. I spoke all this into existence. So when I look at you and I say, you are forgiven, you think I can do that? Yes. That's who he is. That's who he is. 
And so he's created the earth as this sanctuary. You know, creation is this just ongoing, continual worship service, just pointing to him and pointing to him. And I believe he wants you and I to be able to look around us and see the purpose and the significance behind what he's created and let all the things that are seen impact the way we walk into the unseen. That's the point. That's the point. So last week, I closed by, uh, just had a few questions as far as like, all right, so how do you process this stuff with faith? I gave some questions, and I want to follow up, because I, I think in, in the flow of the 11th chapter, I think creation plays a big role in what's to come. Uh, I think it was a, a part of, of how the people of old really saw the world and, and understood it and thought about it, and what was passed down for a long time. Uh, so, okay, so how do, you, how do we process this? We'll put those four questions back up this week. The first one was, uh, all right, so what's, what's he leading me, uh, what's he leading me into? Right? What's, what's ahead of me? What is he drawing me forward in that I need to trust him? So maybe it's about your marriage or your relationships or uh, uncertainty about the future or it's some financial stuff maybe or maybe it's, there's some, uh, maybe there's a sin pattern in your life that you look at and you're like, this is going to be impossible for me to live without. Like it's been a part of, of my life for so long. There's just no way. Uh, that, that I'm going to really be free from this. I'm just going to accept that it's kind of part of who I am or how I am or whatever. What's he leading me into? It's, it's something huge, something different, something scary, something difficult, something impossible, something whatever. I think you make a list and you write it, you write it down. What, what do I sense he's drawing me into? The second question, okay, what are the things hoped for? All right, let's go back to verse 1. Assurance of things hoped for. What am I, what am I hoping is true uh, in this situation? Here's a, here's a good one. Whatever you feel like he's walking you into, you know what you're hoping is true? You're hoping that Jesus Christ really does have the power to change any human life. You're hoping that he really does have the power to free that addiction or mend that relationship or give direction for your life or whatever, whatever it might be. You're hoping that he really does have authority and power over, over those things. Right? That's what you want. You say, okay, he's leading me into something that's like kind of freaking me out. And, I, and what I'm hoping for is that he's going to meet me there. And that he's going to be enough. And that he's greater, greater than, than this thing. He's greater than the things he says he's overcome. He's greater than whatever I'm afraid of. I'm hoping that he's greater than that. And then the third question, what have I seen that informs the unseen? Right? What have I experienced that informs informs me enough to go into the future. Well, here's a good one. Look around you. That's what verse 3, I think, is in part telling us. Look around you. Look at all that has been created simply by Him speaking it into existence out of complete nothingness. That the people around you made with great significance and purpose that the pews that we're sitting on are made of wood, that it comes from trees that used to not be here. That the sound system and the lights and the beautiful curtains or whatever those are, and all these things that are around us all have a point of origin 
and something else. And then that point of origin goes all the way back to the fact that at some point God said, let there be trees. Let there be, like, whatever. Let there be people who are smart enough to take these existing things, and I'm going to give them a brain and let them mix all this stuff together and, and like, technology advance and all these kind of things that are happening. Every single bit of it, trace it back down to the, uh, the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You have a stupidly long list of reasons to trust him. A list of things that you have seen. So you write all that stuff down. So he's leading you into something that's scary. You're hoping that he has authority and power over that thing. And you're surrounded by millions of examples that he does have the power and the authority over that thing. And so the fourth point is, all right, what's my next step? What's my next step? Maybe you keep praying. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe you need to get in counseling of some sort. Maybe you need to meet with one of the pastors here at the church. Maybe you need to talk to someone in your community group. Maybe you need to be silent. Maybe you need to pray about it for the first time. Maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. The thing is, you have every bit of evidence to let that conviction move you into what's ahead. Because Jesus Christ really does have the power and the authority and the desire He leads us down a path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us to himself, through himself, surrounded by himself. And so, you're going to be okay. So, where does this meet you? I have no idea. But he does, and you do, and I do, for me. And so we just respond. And so, let's respond. And our corporate response will be through song. Your personal response will be between you and him. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to respond corporately uh, a little bit. So, yeah, let's pray. Lord, uh, God, I'm grateful that, uh, grateful that I'm surrounded by people and um, objects and just substance and nature. And, God, that as I'm standing here on the stage, the... There are hundreds and thousands of things just in this building that are designed to point to you. And you go outward from here, and then just exponentially the numbers go up. But you have literally surrounded us with evidence of your grace and your purpose and your power and your authority. You've given us quite a list of reasons to trust you as we move into the unseen of the future. And so God, I ask for your help. I ask on behalf of all of us that you help us to, um, to really to dial into the, the purpose for creation that you tell us in Romans 1, Colossians 1, and so many other places as well. That we're supposed to see these things as pointing to something greater, to the one who is greater. And God, for those of us uh, who, that's just not how we see things. God, will you help us and, and train us? Will you show us the role that creation and all that has been created is supposed to play in our trust of you and our, our, our coming to you and the th- trusting you as we walk forward in things? Help us, God, to see you for who you are. 
and everything around us for what you designed it to be. I pray, God, as you're continuing to lead us down that path, that we really would recognize that you do have the power and the authority. That whatever it is you're leading us toward, you're not leading us into, into destruction. You're leading us into goodness. And I ask God that you would use all that you have created to continue to make us into the kind of people who live by faith and not only by sight. 